Amen. Amen. How many of you love the Word of God today? Have you ever been frustrated with somebody that was in the wrong lane and in front of you? Let me, let me tell you what I mean. I'm coming to church today. This happens all the time on I-35, which has affectionately been called the highway to... Um... I'll just leave it alone. But I, I'm driving along, and, and I'm in the... I admit, I'm in the fast lane. I'm, I'm not going to be in the slow lane trying to get to church. And in the fast lane, you know, there's a, a speed limit. And in front, okay, in front of me is somebody wanting to go the speed limit. But in front of them was this person who was going about 30. And so I'm looking at them over the top and through the windshield of the person in front of me. And I see the person in front of me getting very, very frustrated. And, and I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, if you're going to go 30, get over into the other lane. Everybody say lane. And so finally, there was a breakthrough. And we were able to uh, go around this person and, and go the speed limit. And, and that's kind of the end of the story. But it occurred to me, because here I am preaching on this today, that life, a, a lot of life is about staying in the right lane. That's a lot of life, staying in the right lane. And I'm going to read to you out of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the first three verses. And here is, I believe, Paul wrote Hebrews, so I'm just going to say Paul said, if you think somebody else wrote it, then God bless you um, in your wrongness, because it's clearly Paul to me. But anyway, uh, so, but Paul wrote in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, uh, and this is about staying in your lane. So I'm just calling this today, stay in your lane. Can we say that together? Stay in your lane. Now, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, here, here's what Paul says, therefore. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily tangles us up. And let us run with perseverance the race. Everybody say race. Now watch. Marked out for us. Now pay attention to those words because words always matter in, in the Bible very much. The Holy Ghost moved on Paul to write these words. Notice he says there is a race that we don't mark out and that human beings don't mark out, but God marks out for us. It's his race. We have been given a race marked out by God. Now, verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, these first three verses are given to us to keep us in the right lane and to show us how being in the right lane, we don't lose heart. Quit, give up, put up the white flag, expire, faint, walk away, backslide. He gave us this so that we don't. I believe we're in a backsliding culture. So we need to hear this. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your blessing on the word of God today. Bless it to our hearts. And Lord, help us to not just hear this, but do it. Help us to do it. Walk in it. Live in it. And thank you, Lord, for helping uh, us to assimilate this truth into our very lifestyle. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've told people to stay in their lane. Stay in your lane kind of sounds like mind your own beeswax. Stay in your lane. Who are you to talk to me? Stay in your own lane. Who are you to advise me? Hey, stay in your own lane. You're getting out of your own lane. But anyway, it's easy to get out of our, our lane. And I want to say again, I believe staying in the right lane is, is a lot of life. It's what a lot of life is all about, just staying in that right lane. Now, in, in Paul's day, there were Olympics. They had huge arenas, and there were what we would call Olympic contests, and there were track competitions. Uh, so he had them then, and that's why he's using this illustration, and we have them now. Now, if you went to an Olympics, a modern Olympics now, you would realize that every runner in a track meet is given a, a pre-assigned lane to run in. When there's going to be a track meet, a track contest, a track competition, they're all given a pre-assigned lane. There's eight lanes. And every one of the eight lanes are four feet wide. All right? So you've got a four-foot wide lane, and you've got eight of them. You have eight runners. And here's the rules. If, if when running, you get out of your lane, you can be disqualified. So not only do you have to win the race, run to win, but you got to be sure that while you're running to win, you don't get out of your lane. You've got to stay in your assigned lane, and that's part of the race. Now, Paul is telling us that God has marked out for every single believer a race. And in that race, there's an assigned lane. Now, Jesus called the assigned lane the narrow way that leads to life. Isn't it interesting? He said, it's not wide, it's narrow. The wide road is what most people take, and it's the wide road that leads to destruction. It looks the most attractive. It looks the easiest because it's the widest. So it's the easiest to get onto, and most people are there, so it looks like the thing to do. But Jesus said the narrow road that leads to life is four feet if we could just use the illustration. It's tight. It's four feet wide. It, it, it's, but it's the road that leads to life. The broad road, the wide road leads to destruction every time. It's the way to hell. But the, the narrow road leads to life. Now, Paul is telling us here, we've got a race to run, and we've got a fight to win, and we've got a faith to keep. And we are called to stay in the lane that God has given us because God has given everybody here a lane. Let us run with endurance the race. Notice he calls it the race. Not as any race, but the race. The Christian life is the ultimate race. The ultimate race. Now, there's a lot of races in life. You, you can get into a, a race with your neighbor. Who's going to have the nicest looking lawn? You can get into a race. Who's going to make the most money? Let's say you're in sales and you're in a competitive race. Who's going to sell the most product and make the most money? And it's a race. It's a comp competition. You can be in an actual foot race with somebody. You can get in a car race with somebody on the highway. That happens. There's all kinds of races in life. But what he's telling us, he's, he's distinguishing the Christian life from all other races. So he puts a V in front of it. He says, the race, the race. Let us run with patience. The race God himself has set before us. See, when you got saved, 
you were not only drafted into a battle, but you also became a runner. You were set into a race. You were placed on a racetrack. And we're to run the race that is set before us by God. Paul was all about that race. His, his number one burning in life, his number one passion, his number one ambition, that what he woke up for, went through the day for, lived for, and died for, was to finish the race. Listen to what he said. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. There it is. The end of the race. I'm pressing on to finish the race. And then he goes on to say, and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So not only is there a race, but there's a prize at the end of the race. Now, if you're running in the Olympics, you get a medal. You get a gold medal, silver, bronze, whatever. But this race, the ultimate race, the Christian race, there's another prize altogether. You get another prize that can't compare to a gold medal. It is so much higher and better than a gold medal. You say, well, what is the prize, Pastor Jeff? Well, here's what it is. It's when we hear Jesus say, well done. Now, well done. Well done. That's the prize, but the prize doesn't stop there. Jesus said, I will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, to be sure, there's lots of benefits while on earth to running the race, staying in the right lane, producing kingdom fruit for the king of the kingdom, using your kingdom gift, advancing the kingdom of God, staying in your lane, doing what God has called you to do. That, that's great. There's lots of benefits, no, no doubt about it. But the ultimate benefit is when we all hear the long four words, well done. Not you could have done better or not you should have done, uh, not you might have done, not I wish you had done, but well done. Well done. Don't you all want to hear that phrase when you die or when we're raptured? Everybody say, well done. Well done. Can we say it again? Well done. Boy, to hear those two words, you have got your ticket to ride because you're going to enter now into the joy that Jesus has, the joy of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. So that, that's what Paul that's what he lived for. That was his passion. For me to live as Christ and to die is only to gain. I'm all about Jesus. I'm all about the race, staying in the right lane. God has marked out for me. Now, in the first three verses we read in Hebrews, he gives us three keys to successfully staying in the right lane. How many of you want to stay in the right lane? the lane that God has marked out for you. Well, that was about five of you. I want to know if I'm talking to people that love the Lord today. Come on. How many of you want to stay in the right lane? Hold up your hand. Some of you don't. I'm going to give an altar call at the end of church. All right. Now, here's what he said. He said, if you want to stay in the right lane and you want to be there all the way to the end of your life and break the finish tape at the end, if you want to receive the well done, if you want to enter into the joy of the Lord, then here are three things you got to do. And I'm going to skip over them quickly. One, you got to get rid of what slows you down. He said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Now notice in another version, he says weights. 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. You've got you to get rid of what slows you down because you're in a race. And you don't want to be slowed down. So he said, if you want to reach the end and stay in the right lane, then you've got to mark, you've got to look at your own life and go, is anything slowing me down? What about weights? A weight is not a sin and a sin is not a weight. So what's the difference? Weights, Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower. He said one of the things that messed up one of the men that received the word of God with joy, but he didn't make it to the end. He said it was the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word and he became unfruitful. He was slowed down. He was hindered in his walk, not by blatant sin, but by the cares of the world that sat on his shoulders and he did not give them to God. He did not cast his cares upon the Lord as the Bible tells us to. He didn't roll his burden onto the Lord as Psalms 55, 22 tells us to. But he carried the burdens of life on his own shoulders. He never gave them to, to the Lord whose shoulders are much bigger than ours. And so because of that, he was weighed down. And because he was weighed down, he was slowed down. That, that's, that's a weight. And then there's sins. Everybody has a sin that trips them up. Uh, more easily than some other sin. And, and he basically says, it's like if I took this jacket off and just laid it down. He said, lay down the weights, lay down the sins, and leave them there and walk away. Give them to the Lord and walk away. Give them to the Lord and leave them there. Don't let anything slow you down. So I want you to say with me, get rid of what slows you down. If you're going to stay in the right lane and run the right race, you've got to get rid of what slows you down. Second, stay focused on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now, notice he's letting us know that everybody is focused on something. Uh, when you got up today, you were focused on something primarily. Most people get up and they're focused on the bills they need to pay, raising the kids, paying the bills, setting aside some money for retirement if you can possibly swing it. You're talking about, you're thinking about your job, you're thinking about relationships, you're thinking about worldly things, and your eyes are not on Jesus. And I get it, that's easy to do. But here's what he's telling us. He said, if you want to stay in the right lane, you've got to stay focused on the right thing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. First thing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. What are you looking at today? What are you focused on today? Your spouse, your kids, your money? your house, your career, what are you focused on? It says primarily every believer ought to looking unto Jesus, the one who started your faith and the one who's going to finish your faith, perfect your faith, Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful faith. Isn't it amazing how when you look at him, the things of earth grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. So when you wake up in the morning, don't say, good Lord, it's morning. Say, good morning, Lord. And get your eyes on Jesus. Amen? And then the last thing, consider his suffering. Now, these are three quick things that are in Hebrews 12 to help us stay in the right lane. So get rid of what slows you down. Stay focused on Jesus. And then he says something interesting. Consider his sufferings. When you think you're really hurting, when somebody has broken your heart, 
when somebody has done you dirty, or or when you're battling some disease, or when when you're hurting somehow physically, or when you're hurting emotionally or spiritually, when it seems like life is just hitting you over and over again, and and you start start to focus on it, and, and you start to faint on the inside, he said, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Think about what he suffered. Think about what he went through for you and for me. That's the message. If you look at what he suffered and you compare it to what you're suffering, what he suffered and what you're suffering can't compare. Because Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. Jesus was whipped across his back. Think about that back. Think about what it looked like when 39 lashes were done. Think about a grown man with a full beard and people taking it and yanking the beard out from their face. Think about the crown of thorns on his head and how it made him bleed all down the sides. Think about hanging on that cross of torture. Think about the people that had just days before said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, to the, to the king of kings, to Messiah, as he entered Jerusalem on the donkey. Now they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him, and they're mocking him. Think of the pain. Think of that. Think of that. Think of, think of when he took the wrath of God upon himself for you and for me, causing him to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think of it. He said, consider it. If you start to faint, consider it. If you start to go down, consider it. Think about it. Because you go, well, I'm not experiencing that. I'm not going through that. And he didn't faint. So if he didn't faint then I'm not going to faint in what I'm going through. No, the one who got back up from the dead is able to get me back up from whatever I'm going through. Amen? From whatever I'm experiencing. So get rid of what slows you down. Stay focused on Jesus. Consider his sufferings. Now, that said, I want to talk to you today about staying in the right lane. Staying in the right lane. By doing those three things. Staying in the right lane. Now, Paul said the Christian life is just like that runner who's got to stay in the assigned lane until the end of the race. He said the Christian life is just like that. And if he doesn't stay in the assigned lane, he can be disqualified. Now, now I don't want you to think I'm talking about losing your salvation. That's not at all what I'm talking about. Not about losing your salvation. I'm I'm talking about uh, getting sidetracked by going into a lane God didn't call you to. Getting in the wrong lane. Getting into a lane that God didn't call you to. See, here's the deal. Satan, when you get saved, he knows he's lost you. He knows you're gone. He knows that you're going to go to heaven, and he can't stop what the blood has accomplished. So what does Satan do? He's got a plan B. His plan B is to, is to deter you, to lure you off of the track that God has assigned you to, to disrupt your race. He wants to disrupt your race, get you in the wrong lane, chasing the wrong thing, going the wrong direction in life. And you can do it. I can do it. Any of us can do it. Because every day when we wake up, we've got to make a decision. Uh, Last year's decision won't do for today. Today, you've got to get up and make this decision. All right, I'm focused on Jesus. I'm going to get rid of anything that slows me down. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm not going to let anything deter me. And I'm going to stay today on the narrow four-foot wide road that leads to life. I'm not going to get out of that lane. I'm not going to get out of that lane. See, God's got an assigned lane for you. And Satan will do anything and everything to get you to wander out of your lane into the wrong lane 
for your life. It's happened to me and it's happened to many of you and it can happen to anybody at any time. You're going down the right road, that narrow road that leads to life. You're seeking the kingdom. You're seeking the king of the kingdom. You're walking with Jesus. You're bearing fruit. You're excited about the things of God. And then something happens over in another lane over here. And, 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 and something whistles to you from that other lane. And you go, oh, well, that's interesting. What's going on in that other lane? And as long as you stay in your lane and you observe it, but you don't go over there, you're okay. But, but, but the enemy is out to get you to leave your lane and get you into another lane. And it, the lane can be good. It can be a good thing. It may not be bad at all, but it's not the lane that God has called you to. There's a difference between good and best. There's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. See, there's a lot of things that are good, but they're not best. There's a lot of things that are good, but they're not God's idea. They're not God's plan. They're not God's lane for you and me. We're to walk in that singular lane, the kingdom of God, and, and, and that's what the lane is. You say, well, what is the lane? Describe the lane. Well, Jesus said it's narrow. It leads to life. And then he told us what the lane was. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things the world is chasing after to obtain will be added to you as a side benefit of seeking first the kingdom of God. So that's the lane. Seeking first the kingdom of God. That's the lane. When I get up, I'm seeking the kingdom. I'm not chasing this, that, or the other. I'm not going to leave chasing the kingdom of God to get into some other lane. It might be a good lane. It might be a noble lane. But, but it's not God's lane for you. Because your lane and my lane, all of us collectively, we have one lane we're to be going down. And that is once you're saved, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom. And if we seek first the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom, we will stay in the right lane. But anything that replaces the king in our life with something else has pulled us out of the right lane. When you get drawn over into another lane, it is because you made something more important than Jesus Christ in your life. And that's so easy to do. That's why every day we've got to say, Lord, I am yours and you are mine. Your banner over me is love. I'm not going to seek anything but you. You're my primary pursuit in life. I'm all about you and the king of the kingdom and the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. That's your lane. That's your lane. Now, seeking the king of the kingdom, becoming like the king of the kingdom, uh, be bearing kingdom fruit, reaching others for the king of the kingdom, and using the kingdom gift that God has given you and me to bless others with, that's the lane. That's the lane. You know, uh, when I was a late teenager, I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit of God. He completely and totally zapped me. Call, call it what you want. Second experience, I don't care to get into semantics. I can only tell you that I was saved. But then I went to a meeting. I was in this meeting, and I got just mightily touched by the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, he rocked my world. Now, and, and when that happened, when that happened, man, uh, you know, any other lanes I'd been running and I got out of those lanes and I, and I got into that one lane and I've been in that one lane the rest of my entire life. And I had a girl come up to me a, a few years ago and uh, she, it turned out that she had been in one of my Bible studies when I was teaching when I was in the 1970s. Had hair down to here. I was freaky, freaky baby, let me tell you. 
uh, turned me sideways. You couldn't see me. I had long hair down to here, wire rim glasses, blue jean bell bottoms. And I was a hippie. If you turn me sideways, I looked like a mop. All right? But, but here's the deal. I, I, got, I got touched by God, and I began to minister the Word of God. I started teaching and preaching before I came out of my teens. When I was 18, 19, I started preaching. I've been doing it ever since. And so here, this girl comes up to me, and, and she has definitely gotten into some other lanes since I had last seen her. She wasn't in the narrow road that leads to life. She was in some other lanes, and she looked at me, and she shook her head, and she said, Jeff Wickwire, still doing the same old thing. Like, it was a negative. But I walked away going, yes. Yes, it's been decades, and I'm still doing the same thing. Still traveling down the same road. Still serving the same king. Still bringing forth kingdom fruit. Still doing what he had called me to do. Still running in my assigned lane. And so she meant it as a dig, but I took it as a huge compliment. Come on, everybody. You want to be doing the same thing 20 years from now. Paul said, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize. And we know that he succeeded because at the end of his life, he wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, let me tell you about my life in one sentence. Let me sum it up. I've fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I finished the race and I kept the faith. He said, you want to know about a victorious life? That's it. A victorious life is when you can say, I fought the good fight, and I finished the race, and I kept the faith. Three these, the, the, the. There's no better fight. There's no higher race. And there's no other true faith but the faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, do you think the disciples ever struggled with getting in, into the wrong lane? Oh, they did. They struggled in getting in the wrong lane. Peter did. Peter uh, had foot and mouth disease. You know what foot and mouth disease is? Foot and mouth disease is when it, it said of Peter, literally, this is a verse that says, he didn't know what to say, so he said. You get into trouble when you don't know what to say, but you say. You know, you don't know what to say, but you say it anyway. And, and Peter bragged about himself, and he said, Jesus, though with all the rest of these uh, wimps, the, talking, pointing to his peers, uh, the other disciples, all, though all of them leave you, I will never leave you. It ain't going to happen, Lord. I'm not going to leave you. It's never going to take place. You will never see me anywhere but by your side. But we all know what he did. He denied Jesus three times. And when he did, he got out of his lane, and he got into another lane. It was a lane of shame. It was a lane of defeat. And the Bible tells us that Peter was so ashamed and so defeated that here's what he said to himself. I'm just going to go back to my old life. I'm going to go back to my old profession. And he literally says to the disciples, I'm going fishing. And that's what he used to do. You know what he's saying? I'm going back to what I used to know. I'm going back to what I used to do. Because at least I understand that. And at least, you know, I haven't failed in that. Because clearly I'm washed up as a disciple. So he went back to fishing. And the Bible says, they said, the disciples said, well, we'll go with you. You're the leader. We're going with you. But it says they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. You know what you're going to catch if you try to go back to your old life? Nothing. Y'all must be tired today. You know, you know what you get when you go back to your old life? Nothing. 
You know what you're going to find if you think you're going to find something back in your past? Nothing. There's nothing there. Now, you may think there is. Go try it. You're going to catch nothing because you can't go back because you've already changed kingdoms and changed kings. You've already been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. You can't go back. There's no bridge. You can't go back. You can't go back. Now, you can try to go back. You can backslide and go back, but you're going to catch. See, he caught nothing because that wasn't his lane. Because Jesus had said to Peter, he had said, follow me, and I'm going to make you become fishers of men. That's your lane, Peter. Follow me, and I'm going to make you become fishers of men. Your lane is following me, and while you're following me, catching men with the gospel. And that's how it goes. And that's how it generally goes when a believer tries to go back. They catch nothing. It's not fruitful. They find themselves frustrated. They find themselves unfulfilled. And they find themselves unfruitful and unsatisfied because there's nothing back there. There's only something forward. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and following him with all of your heart in the narrow lane that leads to life. Amen? And the next morning, you know what happened? Jesus showed up on the seashore and called to them. And, and when they realized it was Jesus, Peter jumped in, swam to him, and Jesus had an early morning fish fry ready for him. And he said, Peter, uh, do you love me? He said, you know that I love you. He said a second time, Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you, Lord. A third time, he said, Peter, do you love me? He says, Peter was grieving his heart. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Three times, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's what he actually said. He said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. You know what he was saying? Peter, get back in your lane. Get back in your lane. Get back in your lane. Have you gotten out of your lane today? It's so easy to do. Uh, it happens very slowly, very incrementally. You don't even know you're doing it. Uh, some other lane calls to you, and you start taking little steps towards it. You say, well, I'll go a little bit closer to that lane, but I won't get too far from my lane. But then you get over into another lane, and then over into another lane, and then you make friends in the new lane, and then you get a lifestyle in the new lane, and then you become acclimated to the new lane. And before you know it, the old lane, the narrow lane that leads to life, seems a million miles away. Am I talking to anybody today? And here's what you got to say to yourself. You got to say, Jesus, forgive me. I didn't mean to get over here. Forgive me. You say, how can I get back into my own lane? Just repent and say, Jesus, forgive me. And he will pull you from the wrong lane into the right lane and get you on the road of life again. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, and let me, let me wind it down. Uh, because I've got a reason for going into all these things about the right lane, the narrow road, the lane we're supposed to be in. I'm going here because I believe a big slice of the American church got out of our designated lane in 2020. Now, I've been around a long time. I've been a pastor a long time. Um, I study the church. I read about the church. I keep, try to keep my finger on the pulse of the church. Uh, I've seen the church go through all kinds of fads and trends all over the place, and I've seen the church rocked by this scandal and that scandal, and I've seen the church conquer this and that and do this and that. So I've watched the church for a long time. And I want to tell you that my take on 2020, as now we're in uh, the second month of 2021, is that the church got out of its designated lane in 2020. And it was easy to do in 2020. I mean, because it was a year of debilitating distraction. Amen? 
First there was COVID. Everything became about COVID. There's a COVID lane. Everything became about COVID. I mean, everything. I remember it so well. January 2020 started out great. I was expecting, you know, we were going to continue to grow and move on and, and conquer this and that and, and, and extend the media ministry and extend our outreach in Fort Worth and all these things. And then suddenly I heard about this thing called Corona. And before I knew it, in March, the whole nation was brought to its knees in one night. And everything closed. And everything became about COVID. All eyes were on COVID, including the church. The infection count, social distancing, shutting down businesses, closing the doors of the church, wearing masks, wearing two masks, three masks, four masks. Gloves everywhere you went. What works, what doesn't, what's going to keep me from it, and what's going to open me up to being endangered by it, and how do I know I've got it, and what's it look like, and everything became about COVID, and we got into COVID lane. See, it's okay if you notice other things as long as you're still in the right lane. You can notice all kinds of things and stay in the right lane. It's when you get out of that lane and come over here, and now you're in this lane fully that it's, it's trouble. So all eyes were on COVID. And then came the tragic killing of George Floyd, followed by the totally understandable national protests. And then came the not-so-justified riots burning cities, killing, looting, and so on. And we were rocked by this. And all eyes were on this. The news was, everything was focused on it. And then as if 2020 hadn't given us enough, 2020 ends with a heavily contentious election. And now we're in the election lane. A whole lot of people uh, got out of this lane, the narrow lane, and they got over here into the election lane. And everything was about the election. Everything. And adding to the mix... Many high-profile self-proclaimed prophets with a national social media and television following predicted in the name of the Lord, first person, thus says the Lord, that Trump is going to win a consecutive second term. And it didn't happen. And now, since it didn't happen, then a, a big slice of them still have their eyes on it. And they've chosen to die on that hill by insisting it's still going to come about somehow. And, and they have hundreds of thousands of followers. Still think it's going to happen somehow. Now, I'm not here to uh, debate whether or not it's going to happen, but, but I want to point something out to you. I want to suggest something. That prophesying over a presidential election, with those prophecies coming under the glare of a national skeptical spotlight and remaining fixated on that is not the lane the church was called to travel on. I'm going to suggest that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Now, well, Pastor Jeff, now, come on now. You know that we need to stand up for issues. Yes, we need to stand up for issues. And I believe in voting. And I believe in voting Bible issues, pro-life. I would vote for that every day till the day I die. Pro-life, that's the deal killer for me or the deal maker one way or the other. But favoring Israel, moral sanity. I will vote for moral legislation. And God-given rights to self-protection like the Second Amendment or the First Amendment right to free speech. I will always vote for those things because I believe they're God-given. I'm not in any way stating that we should not be involved in the process. We should. But we should never allow a political race or a candidate to replace the front-burner purpose Jesus gave to his church. And here's the front-burner purpose. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Come on, everybody. Go into all the world. 
That's the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is the church's final marching orders from the captain of the Lord's hosts. What is it? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes will be saved. He that does not believe will be damned. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them all things that I taught you. Discipling them in the name of Jesus. That is the track. The four-foot road that leads to life. That we're to be traveling down. That's what we're to be all about. We're not to be all about an election. Although we ought to vote for issues for sure. But there is something higher than that. His name is Jesus. We're to be all about Jesus. You, you stick us with a pen and Jesus comes out. We bleed Jesus. We talk Jesus. We walk Jesus. We live for Jesus. We die for Jesus. We say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Not for me to live is, to live is for an election to be won. But no, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let me tell you something. God is not in heaven saying, what are we going to do now? Uh-oh, America's in big trouble. Uh-oh, I didn't see this coming. Oh, no, no, no. God is saying, it's okay. It's all right. Because I'm not hindered. I'll do anything I want to do. The Bible says in, the, in, in, in its pages that God is sovereign. He says, I do what I want to do and no man can stop me. I will do what I want to do. The gospel is going to work no matter where it's preached. We are to get our eyes back on Jesus and back on the narrow road. Get on the right track. The primary lane, Jesus called it to run in. The hill, we've been called to die on if need be. The message we're called to proclaim is the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what the world ought to be hearing from us exclusively. If you're going to persecute me, let it be for Jesus. If you're going to kill me, let me die for the one who died for me. If you're gonna, if you're gonna ostracize me, let it be because I was talking about Jesus, not a political issue. I mean, hey, it's time to move on is what I'm trying to say. It's time to move on. Amen? Come on, everybody. So I'm throwing out a word of exhortation. It's time for the church to get back to the gospel lane. The gospel lane. So I encourage every child of God today, get rid of what slows you down. Can we stand together? Say with me, get rid of what slows you down. Stay focused on Jesus. Consider his sufferings. And if you have gotten out of your lane, I understand. I'm certainly not here to condemn you. I've gotten out of my lane. Never meant to, never intended to, but I did. And, and the Lord is so faithful to call you back and get you in the right lane. Well, all I did, Jeff, was went out with some friends to the bar. And we were drinking, having a good time. And I kind of got used to that. So I went again and went again and went again. And I didn't even realize that I was getting out of my lane and I'd gotten over into another lane. It usually happens with somebody you really like. 
or a group of people. And you start saying, well, this isn't really that big a deal. But you don't realize you no longer look like the kingdom. We can't tell you from the world. You got out of the lane. I'm not condemning. I'm not. I would never do that. I'm just trying to be illustratively real. You get out there. And, and you say, well, I'm already out here. I'm out here, way out here. I'm way in another lane. I started out in lane one. I'm in lane eight. Hey, he can pull you from lane eight back to lane one. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. How many of you know he can? Say, I wasn't in lane eight. I was in lane 13, Pastor Jeff. And he pulled me back to lane one. He can. And he listen, it's nothing to him. It's just a matter of us, of us saying, Jesus, I want to serve you all my life. I want my life to count for God. I want to, I want to hear, well done. I want that prize. And so, Lord, please forgive me. Get me back. Get me back. Can we lift our hands? He can say, Jeff, I, I've, I've drifted from my designated lane. And this message has really clarified that for me. Can you just wave your hand? Wave your hand. I see you. God bless you. Many, many people. Many people. I'm not going to call you down because I don't want to uh, want us to be overexposed. Um, I, I want to continue to practice wisdom, but right where you are, I want you to say with me, let's go to him and say, Jesus, forgive me for getting out of my lane and drifting over into a lane you didn't designate for me. Forgive me. Now say to him, forgive me and bring me back. In Jesus' name, let me experience your joy, your peace, your zeal, passion for you like I used to in Jesus' name. If you believe you heard that, just, just give him a wave off. Just say, lift your hands and say, Lord, I believe you heard that. And I make up my mind to get back in the lane, back in the lane, back in the lane. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Look at me for just a minute. I believe we're in a, a, a season in, in the church in America where all kinds of people are getting out of the lane uh, designated for them by God because they have been so overwhelmed with false concepts, false ideas, false teaching that it doesn't really matter. You're under grace, so if you're under grace, that you can do whatever you want, and I call that greasy grace. God, God loves me anyway, I call that sloppy agape. Because if God loves you, he loves you enough, he'll whoop you if you get out of your lane. Oh, he will. And he has some, listen, different strokes for different folks. He knows exactly how to get your attention when you're out of the lane. So you're best off listening to a message like this and getting right back in real quick before God comes along and says, okay. Because, man, I'll tell you, he's gotten a hold of me before. 
And I still remember the whooping. Amen? Amen. How many of you needed this today? Did you need this today? Amen. You give me a give me one church that's in the in the lane, and we'll turn a city upside down. One church in the lane. Because a lot of churches aren't in the lane at all. They don't even preach the word. Anyway, that's another topic. I've loved being with you. You've noticed Cindy's not here. She's not feeling well at all today. So our prayers are with her. She sends her love. Probably watching. Hello, sweetie. We love you. We're praying for you. All right. Um, but it's good seeing all of you. How many of you got my letter? Oh, good. How many of you are here today because of the letter? Oh, there's a few. Good. Then it worked. I sent a letter just encouraging people to come back. Go tell somebody. I was at church today. I feel great. I was there last week. I'm not sick. Uh, it's safe to return. Amen? Because we want to see the family of God come back together. Now today, there is some game. What is it? Some of you are doing this already because they've already started the pre-game stuff. And you're going, come on, Pastor Jeff, let me, let me out of here. Can I tell you something without sowing discord? I hope that ever. Okay, I'm going to say it. I, and, and please don't take this wrong. I hope Brady loses. Now wait, wait. Hang on, because I'm not going to get out of my lane here. Let me just get out of my lane for a minute. You got six rings. Let someone else win. We love it that you're so good. But can someone, now that's just me. Love me anyway. I, please don't let that sow discord with you. Because guess what? Whoever wins today, you're still saved. Right? How many are you, of you are with me on Brady? How many of you are not with me on Brady? And see, the ones that aren't with me, they'll fight me for it. They'll fight me for it, right? All right. But Jesus has won, always will win. And he made the ultimate touchdown. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for you before we go today. Father, thank you for the precious people of God. I pray may your face shine upon them. Lord, let the grace of God go with them as they start their week. Lord, give them victory over every mountain, carry them through every valley. Help them to remember that you will hold them up when they can't hold themselves up and strengthen them in the midst of every trial. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.